The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of June is The Majesty's Men. The Majesty's Men is a multifaceted venture for maximizing men by glorifying God together. TheMajesty'sMen.com focuses on creating content and community for men with an evangelical, reformed, and complementarian perspective on issues we face and roles we fulfill as men of God in our society. The Majesty's Men hosts the Honor God Network, which focuses on content and ministry for men of God. The Honor God Network takes the massive infrastructure and premium tools of TheMajesty'sMen.com and shares them with exemplary men of God who are faithfully, boldly, and winsomely serving others and engaging society with the gospel of Jesus Christ via their personal blogs and podcasts or other projects and ministries. The Majesty's Men then assist in the management and upkeep of the site so everyone can continue doing what they're doing with excellence. A membership on one site gives you access to all the sites in the network and many blogs, podcasts, resources, and projects, and other partner ministries that are in the works. Learn more, join in, and contribute at themajestiesmen.com. Learn more about the Honor God Network and see if you and your work may be a good fit to join by simply typing hnr.gd into your browser. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 47, and I'm concluding a seven-part series on the role of men and women in the home and church. I hope it's been helpful. Just been talking about complementarian issues. And today I want to conclude by talking about the role of women in the church. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence and your power. The fact that you're with us right now, even as we listen, help me as I speak to speak clearly and be biblically faithful. And Lord, as we're ministering in our local churches or considering ministering to churches in the future, Lord, would you please give us clarity and precision in how to think biblically on these issues? And God, I ask that this series has been somewhat shaping and helpful in thinking about, just preaching about manhood and womanhood and counseling about such matters, and just give these men that are listening clarity. And if there's any ladies listening in, I pray that you would give them clarity as they're thinking through these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the Bible gives prohibitions and commissioning to both the male and female. I've said that the last couple episodes, and it's important when God gives prohibitions and when God gives specific commissions to pay attention because he never speaks arbitrarily. He says what he says for a reason. And if he tells humanity to do something as a whole, like the creation mandate, well, humanity, male and female, they should do it. And we should do it without questioning. If he tells us not to do something, then we shouldn't do it. It's pretty pretty simple. I mean, right? But if he tells a man to do something or not do something, then how should a man respond? Well, of course, the man should respond with, okay, Heavenly Father, whatever you want in your word, that's what I want to do. And if he tells a woman to do something or not do something, how should a woman respond? Well, ladies, uh, you should respond with obedience. And God's going to give some God is going to give some prohibitions and commissions in this passage we're going to look, look at today, fellas. And I want you to think through the best way to teach the women, not just the men, what God has to say to them in the local church. And the best response from ladies should be to obey and trust the Lord and not rebel. But men, don't hold back on passages like this because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Okay, So let's look at a couple prohibitions 
two prohibitions primarily, and then let's look at four commissions from the Bible that God specifically has for women in the local church. So prohibition number one is to silence. Silence. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 26 through 35, there is the discussion on orderly worship, and then the women are told in this passage to be silent. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says also. If there's anything they desire to learn, they should ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. And you know what we should understand about that? Well, it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. But what kind of speech? Because these commands are clear, and we shouldn't steer away from them. Something has happened in Corinth that requires this kind of response. Doug Wilson says that the book of 1 Corinthians is kind of like listening to one side of a phone conversation. You hear the responses of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, and then by hearing the responses, you can kind of hear the questions that were given. By hearing answers, you can hear the questions that were given to Paul. And when Paul responds, he says, the women should keep silent in the churches. They should, they're not permitted to speak. And if there's something you want to learn, they should ask their husbands at home. And it's shameful for the women to speak in church. So it's very clear. But we, we need to ask the question, is all speech prohibited in the local church? Or is this speaking of some sort of certain kind of speaking that's permitted in a local church? Because if you're thinking biblically, when you read this passage in 1 Corinthians, we should be thinking about other passages as well. And in Acts chapter 21, verse 8 and 9, here's what we find. And we'll get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with the, the ladies that are prophesying in 11 here in a second. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, we find that Philip had four prophesying daughters. They were prophesying. And we know from 1 Corinthians 14 that prophecy is for the upbuilding and the encouragement and consolation of other believers. Okay, Which means this is in the context of local church gatherings. Philip's daughters prophesied. There were women speaking prophecies in the context of the local church. It's for the church. They're speaking. Now notice this is not a contradiction of 1 Corinthians 14. This is interpreting the Bible with the Bible. Okay. Now, and there is some internal evidence that 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about specific speech, not all speech in the context of the local church. Because in verse 33, what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 14 is addressing the lack of order and peace in church gatherings. In 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but peace. Paul is specifically addressing some sort of speech that's bringing confusion and not peace. And in verse 34, women should keep silent because they weren't. And their type of speaking was bringing confusion, and they should be submissive, verse 34, because they weren't. Remember, these answers reveal the problems, what, what's going on there. They were speaking in such a way that was bringing confusion, and they were being unsubmissive in such a way that was br- being problematic in the local church. And then in verse 35, ask questions at home to their husbands. Don't ask questions during the church gatherings. So as we piece together this internal evidence, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have women prophesying also. It goes just right along with Acts chapter 21. We, we can come to a conclusion about prohibition number one. Women in Corinth were asking incessant questions as a way to control the church gatherings, and it was disrupting the peace of the church. They should keep silent because their speech was shameful. Speech in that way was shameful. And they were doing this, you know, if you, you remember what's going on in Corinth, the Temple of Aphrodite was there, and there were other places of worship in Corinth, at least three other places of worship in Corinth with these 
cult prostitutes and religious practice in Corinth was sex with women, basically. And women were rejecting their femininity and men were rejecting their masculinity. And Corinth was just this heaping, piled, messy place and city. This is all a symptom of rejecting their femininity. And here's the deal. Offended, power-hungry women will always try to manipulate and control everyone around them. And ladies are not allowed to speak in the church in such a way that brings disorder to God's people and shame on themselves. Be silent of speech like that. And men, we do not need to, if there are things like this happening that's going on in Corinth, which I think would be very rare, if this was happening today, a simple prohibition would need to be given to those women. Hey, be silent of speech like that. Now, prohibition number two. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Let a woman learn quietly in all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to keep quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yes, she'll be saved, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in the faith, in love, and holiness with self-control. Here's prohibition number two. A lady is to not teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Here's the deal. Any interpretation of this that says, actually, women are to teach and exercise authority over men are clearly revealing their cards that they don't take God's word seriously. Now, the first thing is to let women learn. Ladies should be learning. This is this is absolutely true. How ladies should be learning? Quiet with all submissiveness. The verse is clear. Now, in verse 12, this is not just mean old crusty Paul. This is God. God himself saying this. And it goes and flies against the way of all modern popular opinion. But throw modern popular opinion out the window. My goodness. They should not, ladies are not permitted to teach or exercise authority over men. What that means is that women are not permitted to teach or exercise authority over men. It's a prohibition from the Lord, and it's good. They're prohibited from teaching men and from the office of elder in the local church. Now, what this doesn't mean is that men should, being pastors, should not be learning from women. Because in Acts chapter 18, 24 to 28, Priscilla and Aquila both, the husband and wife team, taught Apollos. Apollos was right to listen to Priscilla and Aquila. He should be listening to to other women. Men should be learning from women who know more on a particular topic than they do. And men should be learning from women in all ways that we can learn from women, which is in almost every area of life. We have positive examples, in fact, of men learning from women. Therefore, women are prohibited from preaching and teaching in the gathered church gathering from a position of authority. Being told to be silent at certain times is not demeaning, folks. We need to teach clearly the powerful reality of godly submission. Women being told to be silent is not bad. They're in good company. Jesus was told to be silent. We sing about it. We sing about this. There's a really great song, and, and we sing the words as a congregation. We do in our church, and you might in your church. It's like the one Hillsong song that we sing, or one or two Hillsong songs we sing at our church. And it goes like this. Silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned. Here's the truth. God told Jesus to be silent. Don't talk, okay? That is is okay. Jesus was falsely accused and he was told by his heavenly father when he had every right in the world to speak, he obeyed his heavenly father perfectly and his heavenly father said, no, be silent. So when we're teaching this to our women, we need to show them the dignity of being told to be silent. It's not demeaning in any way. And so when God says this, don't let the ladies in the church or other men in the church rob them of hearing God's good commands that he told Christ himself. So we need to hear this. It's not demeaning in any way. Ladies, when God 
tells you, if you're listening, and men, as you're preaching, when God tells ladies to not teach or exercise authority over a man, consider it a great joy. My goodness, don't shake your fist. Don't let them shake their fist. For that's a sin for which Jesus had to die. He was silent in your place. Don't mock his silence as if he should have spoken up or something like that. Jesus didn't consider it demeaning. Now, commissions. What has God commissioned ladies to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. The family, the church, and the world need women. Okay, that's that's the truth. We need women who believe God's word, who fight against being easily deceived as Eve. We need women who will follow Jesus even unto death, and we need women who love the bride of Christ. So number one, ladies are commissioned to walk with Jesus. Luke 8, 1 through 3, women walked with Jesus. Along with the 12 apostles walked many women. Okay, Jesus taught women and expected them to learn from him and to follow him. And Mary chose the better, which is to learn at the feet of Jesus. Martha was all serving. Mary was listening from her master. And Mary chose the better, learning from the feet of Jesus. We need to make sure, men, as we're preaching and commissioning the ladies in the local church, that they are called equally with men to walk with Jesus. Follow Jesus all the days of your life. Follow Jesus all the way, all the days of your life, even to the point of death. And then, two, be like the godly widow. First Timothy 5, 9-10 is a treasure trove for ladies. And men, don't miss this godly widow who is an example of womanhood in the local church. And this example of womanhood in the, in the local church is so beautiful. The, this godly widow was an exemplary woman of God, and she had a reputation for good works. She brought up children. She had shown hospitality. She had washed the feet of the saints, meaning she had served the local church. She cared for the afflicted, and she was devoted to every good work. And then there's some don'ts in this passage. There's don'ts in this passage as well. So here's the do's, okay? Ladies are commissioned, I think, to be like this godly widow. Be an example of good works. Do these things. And then don't, in verse 11 through 16, there are some more prohibitions, but don't be like this. And this is, again, what we need to, we need to not shy away from feminine sins. Don't follow your sinful passions away from Christ. Unchecked passions in women were leading them in Ephesus away to marry even non-Christians and abandon their faith. Passions are deep in women. They feel very, very strongly. And ladies need to be aware of this. They need to be made known of this. They must submit their passions to Christ. And they must not be idle. They're called to hard work. Ladies, you are called to hard work if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you work outside of the home. You have to work hard. And also this feminine sin of gossip. You are not called to gossip. Ladies, don't speak ill of one another, but to speak well of one another. Ladies are called to speak well of the people of God, and they're not called to be busybodies in other people's affairs. Okay, Don't worry about other people. God has called you to something, so ladies, stay laser-focused. Ladies, that's what they're called to be, is laser-focused on their commission. And they are to marry and to bear children and to manage their household and give no occasion to slander. Ladies, take the home and the church seriously. Please, for goodness sake. If you want to change the world, have babies and be a great home manager and teach them about Christ and raise them in the admonition and the instruction of the Lord and see the world changed. So number one, walk with Jesus. Number two, be like the godly widow. Number three, ladies in the church are called to be on mission. The great commission comes to ladies, equally to ladies as it does to men. Ladies are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. The mission of ladies in your church is the great commission. Wherever you are, that's your mission. Be on mission, ladies. Commission them to this. And then fourth, know the word. Galatians 1 is for everybody in the church. And there is a way in which Hear me say this. There is a way in which the ladies in the church actually sit 
as a, a pseudo-authority in the local church over the preached word, as do the men in the church. Ladies are called to know the word. In Galatians 1, Galatians 1, Paul charges the church with putting up with bad teaching. Not the elders, not the deacons. He charged the church and held them accountable for the false teaching in Corinth. And ladies, do not be like Eve, walking in deception. Call the ladies in your church to know the word. Give them good resources. If you just let women's ministries go by themselves, what happens typically is really bad theology begins to be birthed there. And this is a feminine sin. So men, as you're preaching to ladies, you need to challenge them theologically to know the word. Commission them to this. They are called to know the word. They're called to learn and to grow and to ask questions and to study and to pray. And we need ladies in our world today who are not like the women in Galatia being bewitched because there are ladies being bewitched. Just look at, again, just look at women's ministry all over. There's ladies that are just drinking terrible theology Kool-Aid like crazy. Let's not let them drink the liberal church Kool-Aid. Let's call them to look to Christ, to rest in him, to believe God's word, and to be like Sarah and not be afraid of anything. And pastors, we are commissioned not just to preach to men, but to preach to women as well. And we need to tell them that they have a role to play in the local church. They have some prohibitions and they have some commissions. And just don't be scared. Don't be scared of those women in your church that you might be scared of right now. Just grow a spine and give them what they need, the very words of God. Folks, I hope this has been helpful. This has concluded a seven-part series. If this has been helpful to you, send it to some friends. If if this biblical version of complementarianism has been a challenge and encouragement to you, then please pass it along. Take this seriously. If we don't get clarity on this issue in our world today, we're going to continue to lose ground in the world and the church, but we're going to continue to have people who grow up in an asexual environment who have no idea what it means to be a man or a woman, and we do not need that in the local church. We need people to look in the local church and see men who are loving and serving women and children, and we need to see women who know what it means to obey and hear what God has to say from them. And please, folks, just preach the Bible without qualification and without fear. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.